When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the One Short Podcast, the Sports Gazette's official cricket podcast. I am Toby, as always joined by Aish. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Toby. Thank you. And uh, yeah, thrilled to have a really special guest here on the podcast today. Yeah, you're, you're hinting at it. But first, Michael is joining us, as he often does. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Really excited for this one. Uh, thanks for bringing me on with Monty. It's an honour to have Monty on the podcast. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to it. Spoilers there from Michael. We are also joined by Monty Panastar. How are you, Monty? Excited to be on the pod? Yeah, yeah, very excited. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on, on your podcast. Of course, mate. Back back to the St Mary's roots. We love to see it. But the group stage is all over now. Every match has been played. Semi-finals will be taking place in just a few days. India, South Africa, Australia and New Zealand are the four teams that have qualified. Um, and fairly comfortably in the end. All known they've qualified for a few days Pakistan ran them a little bit close yesterday, um, but couldn't quite topple England, unfortunately, to to get that qualification. Let's just start them with, with that at the top then, Monty. Those four teams are somewhat expected. They're obviously four of the, the strongest six that, that a lot of people thought. What were your predictions before the tournament as to who was going to make the semis and, and how impressed have you been by these four teams? Yeah, I think my, my prediction uh, that was going to be in the semis probably was, was going to include uh, Pakistan in there. But uh, surprised to see that only one subcontinent team, you know, made it into the semi-finals, um, and that probably is a reflection on, on on the new sort of relayed pitches that they've put in place at most of the ground. So, uh, you know, this this probably World Cup has been the most entertaining, um, you know, by a long way. There's been some fantastic hundreds. You know, we obviously saw Maxwell, you know, brilliant, you know, d- double hundred, and then uh, South Africa when they bat first, they continued to obviously. Um, score above 300, uh, which kind of surprised you know a lot of us. And 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 then then when they scored 400 and you know 28, that was obviously unbelievable. And then uh, you know New Zealand, they they always do well, don't they? Uh, ICC tournaments, they're probably one of the sides which uh, um, you know they just come together really well as a side. They just know how to perform uh, on, on the bigger stages. And uh, um, England, really, England has kind of been really disappointing to be honest. So I think a lot of people here in India especially the fans were really looking forward to England. Um, everyone kind of felt that England will probably, you know, set the standards in terms of chasing, in terms of setting the targets, while, you know, the other teams will probably follow. Um, it's kind of really surprising to see that uh, um, it kind of felt like England just came here to participate, but they didn't really compete uh, against any other teams, which was, you know, really disappointing to see. We've talked a lot about England on this podcast so far, Monty, and about just the surprise of, of how poor they've been so far. They managed to salvage a seventh place finish in the end, qualifying for the Champions Trophy in two years' time, which is going to be absolutely crucial. What do you think the, the biggest problem with, with England have been throughout this tournament? 
Well, I think leading up between 2015 and 2019, they played a lot of one days. I think it was double amount, you know, in the four years. But now during COVID, they only played, I think, 40-odd in a one day as uh, in, in the last sort of four years. So I think England are a side that they need to play a lot of one days, you know. Um, they need that game time. Um, they're not that sort of team like South Africa or uh, even Afghanistan. You know, they they just got better and better as the tournament, you know, went on. England are a side that they need a lot of game time because it, I think the, the challenge for Rob Key is other nations don't play as many test matches or T20s. So, you know, to to play and accommodate and be competitive in a test arena, T20 and the one day is, uh, you need a really strong, you know, depth of squad. So I think, yeah, it, it's very difficult when you have a national series it's like playing two World Cups back-to-back. Uh, and I think England kind of played their World Cup in England, to be honest, and, and they played their best cricket uh, in England. You know, I was there at the Oval when uh, Ben Stokes scored 182. It was you know, brilliant innings. And I think it just doesn't work. You know, I, I don't think the scheduling really helps English cricket, while the other teams, they didn't really have an intense um, summer. You know, like 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 England have done. You know, especially with a hundred as well. So, um, I I just think the scheduling in, in four years' time is just got to make sure that they don't have a Nashi series. You know, before the World Cup, I I just don't think it helps England's preparations. Yeah, I mean, England really had a a hot, well, very very long summer. It felt like. I mean, the Ashes were done before August even started. Um, before obviously the hundred and and the rest of the the county championship continues, as well as a few internationals. Michael Rob Key came out um, yesterday when announcing um, the the next England squad for the West Indies tour. That he's taking a lot of the blame for what's happened here. Yeah, well, he basically came out, didn't he? he said he he focused on the Test team too much, and some of the players played too much Test matches uh, instead of the ODI games. And I think we kind of saw that in the team. He said he put together the squad for the World Cup and he kind of thought it would just all click into place and work because the players are so good. But obviously that's, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, that's not always going to be the case. You've got to have the team playing together. So, you know, building chemistry. But at the same time, you know, I, I was definitely shocked that these guys who, most of them are England legends, couldn't find a way to make it work. In terms of uh, Rob Key. He said he said he's kind of backing Butler and Mott, which I think is good. And I think the squad that they put together for the West Indies tour, uh, the T20 and the ODI squads, are really exciting. Lots of good young players in there. I think we're going to see like a real shift in that England squad. A lot of the old guys coming out, like to Dowd Milan, who I was quite surprised wasn't in the squad, as he was probably one of our better players at the World Cup. But um, yeah, I think it will be an exciting time for the white ball team. Yeah, only Joss Butler... Gus Atkinson, Harry Brook and Liam Livingston retain their places in that squad, Ayush. Were you surprised by how much of a shake-up's taken place or were you kind of expecting that England will look look to move on from a lot of their older, more established guys? Yeah, I was expecting that, you know. Uh, what we saw after 2015 in that World Cup down under a major shake-up game in the build-up to 2019, I was expecting them to do something a little bit similar. But not so much, yeah. I, I am also a little bit surprised that some of um, the only six guys out of this current squad have made it there. Maybe I was expecting a couple of more players here and there to, um, you know, be shown the faith or to be retained at least for the time being. But I think it's fair. You you can't really say that it's completely unfair because you, you're seeing why they want to do that. 
uh, in you know in the build up to the future of the squad because it's a clear message like Michael said that David Milan you know he's definitely been uh, one of their best batters of late and even in the World Cup uh, one of the few guys to really have made any kind of an impact but even he's been dropped so it's like a clear message that okay we're, we're again looking at a younger group that phase of transition or whatever we want to call it but um, yeah it's it's kind of a mixed bag i think maybe they could have given a couple of more players a bit of a longer stretch but yeah i, I see why this has happened yeah sam curran made the squad as well i don't think i read his name out but yeah it's monty has been quite a big big shift which is kind of somewhat expected i guess it's a very similar looking squad to that ireland odi series when all of the world cup guys had already sort of left or or about to leave do you think that they are just looking for the future and, and the guys who have been dropped won't play again? Or is it more of a, we're going to have a slight rest for a few of the guys who have had a long summer, of, as we mentioned, and, and all of this, and looking forward to India in in the in a few weeks as well, a few months as well. Um, what what do you make of, of the squad? Do you think that Root and, and Stokes might come back eventually? Or is that them and their ODI careers done now? Well, it's that, it's that similar time, wasn't it, when James Anderson and, and Stuart Broad got dropped for the West Indies tour when Andrew Strauss did it, just to see what the team is like without them. And it's a similar sort of phase. I think Rob Keyes probably, you know, gives Cian an opportunity that he knows what the current squad are performing at the moment, but then with this new group of players. But I, th- I think it's sensible to back Joss Butler for the captaincy uh, until the, maybe the Champions Trophy in Pakistan uh, and then see how these group of players react. But, um, but also I think Rob Key... I think he, he can afford to take the blame now because just to sort of cover the cracks and say, look, you know, I got it wrong. I put my hand up. It, it's OK to do it once. But then uh, if they sort of perform not so well, you know, in the West Indies or, or even the tour of India, um, I think, you know, then he'll be probably be under pressure about his thinking and, and then the recruit, recruitment process. So um, you look at New Zealand, you know, they've got someone like James Foster. They recruited him because he's, part of the IPL setup at Kolkata. So he knows the conditions really well. He knows the grounds, he, you know, and that's valuable piece of information, which probably, you know, like for Richard Dawson or even, you know, Marcus Raskothic, they probably, you know, don't have that sort of wealth of knowledge. Someone like James, you know, Foster would do. Um, but also it, it's to do with motivating the players, you know. So you look at, you know, you look at the likes of Ben Stokes and some of the other players. When Andrew Flinter was part of their, their mentor team, they really enjoyed that inspirational motivation sort of type of character that you know uh, Freddie is I thought Rob Key missed a trick I, I I felt that the issue of early group stages maybe the first round of the group stage matches he should have taken Andrew Flintoff there because when some things when sometimes things are going really well you know you've got to think of the situation of what if we you know don't do so well at the start Andrew Flintoff is there with the motivation. You know, he's done well in the tour of India. You know, he famously to, in Mumbai, you know, took his T-shirt off and, and, he, and he did that sort of celebration. You know, he, he, he knows how to perform well, you know, in India. It's a different sort of pressure with the crowd, the media, um, you know, uh, the due factor as well. You know, when you're chasing, when you're defending a target, suddenly it's, uh, you know, things can just can fall off the wheel. And, and you need strong characters there. And I just felt that, you know, there just wasn't enough depth in their coaching staff. So I think the West Indies tour gives them a bit of a breather. You know, West Indies are probably in a similar situ- situation as England uh, in terms of the ODI cricket. So it'll be a good sort of indication where where, where this, um, you know, England team is and, and, and going forward. Yeah, New Zealand, again, smart, very smart in, in recruiting James Foster, where... 
I just felt England, you know, missed a trip there. Monty, who do you think are the players that England should be building this ne- next generation team around? Is it Harry Brook, Ryan Ahmed even? Who do you think are the top young players coming through? Yeah, look, I, I think these players you have to. You backed Harry Brook during the World Cup. I think you've got to back him, you know, until the Champions Trophy now because he's a youngster coming through. You've got to give him as many games or game time as possible for him to develop and 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 uh, um, and, and, and figure out where's the best place for him in ODI cricket. Rian Ahmed is another exciting talent that you've got to play. You've got to look at him because he's, he's a natural match winner. He's not afraid of the big, big challenges and the big stage. Um, so he, you know, he's a gifted cricketer. You know, can bat well, bowl well as well. And then Ben Ducky is another one. You know, which I thought he did really well in the ODI against Pakistan. He would have been a really good option to go. You know, at the top of the order. You know, I can see with Milan why they've got rid of him because not rid of him, but rested him at thirty six. You know, in four years' time, I just don't think he'll be there at the age of forty. You know, playing. So maybe you know that's how they're going to now make their decisions in four years' time. Uh, which of these cricketers are going to be there? You know. Joe Root or, or Ben Stokes could be there for the Champions Trophy and then maybe, you know, that's it. But uh, um, uh, Ben Duckett is definitely one, you know, for the future. Um, so, yeah, I think they've picked the right squad. You know, Will Jackson is another exciting talent. You know, bowls well in P20 cricket. He can bat well, bowls heavy, you know, spin, off-spin delivery. Could be a, a like-for-like replacement, you know, with Moe Ali, who kind of openly said that I'm happy to move on now, you know, if, if England want to, which... You know, you look at his career. You know, he's he's a he will always be known as a as a as a double you know World Cup winner. You know, T T Twenty and and, and ODI, and, and I think he probably with a one year central contract, he's probably thinking, yeah, if, if I do play any more games as a bonus, if I don't, um, it's okay. You know, he, he'll still be you know recruited all around the world with franchise league. So, um, uh, he's got the accolades that he wanted, and uh, and yeah, I think he'll make the right decision to get a younger group group of players going forward. It's interesting you mentioned the central contracts there, because obviously someone like Moen Ali, Adil Rashid, um, a lot of those sort of slightly older guys who don't play in the test setup, possibly, as shown by this squad, won't be playing again for England. And as you mentioned, it's more of a bonus. Do you think that that was almost because the central contracts were settled before the World Cup and announced during that, that maybe Rob Key just assumed the squad had sort of stick together till the Champions Trophy or or for a couple more years, but actually he's now realised that they have to move on and have to bring in fresh blood. Yeah, well, you know, we were completely shocked. You know, um, no one ever, no one thought by end of the group stages that you know England would lose against part Afghanistan, um, New Zealand complete hammering. I think there was a sense of complacency. There's a sense of thought this exceptionalism as well, you know, like, oh, we are better than all the other nations. Our strike rate is at 98, while India's strike rate is at 95. Um, you know, you look at India, they their turnover is 2.2 billion US a year, while in, in uh, England's only 100 million US. And I think they kind of like were a bit complacent, you know. They and for Rob Key to say, "Oh, um, you know, we weren't prepared because of the test matches and all that," it, it just gives gives him an excuse and a bit of game time. To be honest, it, he's shocked and disappointed. He's probably, uh, like you said, he's announced central contracts, and now they're going to probably give so much, you know, payouts to some few of the guys who probably won't play for the whole year or, or may not play as many games. And he knows in the back of the scenes, if he doesn't get it right in the next three to six months, his job could be on the line as well. Because how could someone like Rob Key get it so wrong, um, not understand and, and, and then say we were underprepared because we played so many test matches where he fully knew that 
Ashley series was around the corner. I think it was just a sense of complacency. I think um, it's that natural sort of, um, like we call the British culture, you know, where you just sort of think you are, you know, exceptionally better than the rest of the world. And then suddenly you come to India and, and the Indians are like, nah, we're going to play some hard cricket. We're going to show you how good we are. India saying, you come into our territory, let's see how good you guys are. You're double World Cup champions. But you're certainly not playing like a double World Cup champion team. At one point, Netherlands was a stronger side than England, you know, with a European derby. You know, it was a really shocking display. And I think it's that they've got to get rid of that tag and think, oh, we're better than everyone else. They're not. You know, they're not better than everyone else. You know, they may be good in England, but apart from that, you know, they, they've got to really got to sort of get that tag around them. They're not, they're not as good as the rest of the world anymore. You spoke about, you know, them not being good outside England and you earlier touched upon also uh, of what it takes to win in India. Uh, you're one of the few people who knows what it takes to win a, a major a major tournament in India. I, I, was, I, I was there in 2012 in that Mumbai, in the Vankhede test. And uh, yeah, I mean, that series, it's that England team went to India, won the series 2-1. And that, that's a big achievement because we've not seen any other team go to India win test series. So do you think this is a problem that just uh, plagues the limited overs team right now? Or do you think the test team in a few months, when they go for that big test tour uh, back to India, they'll be a lot better equipped to get the job done? No, no, I, I, I think they're going to lose 5-0, 4-0. They're going to get completely drubbed. Basketball is only good in England. Basketball will not work in India. And the Indians, they are not going to cater for it. I know what their attitude is like. They are showing their authority. They are they are flexing their muscles and say, look, we run cricket. You come to India, basketball, we're not going to let it succeed. And they are determined about that. They don't want, you know, this new term of basketball in the Oxford Dictionary to dictate terms in India. No, no way about it, you know. At the moment, India, number one in ODI cricket, got the number one batsman, the number one bowler. You know, the other funny thing is when you talk about recruitment process, why didn't Vikram Solanke? You know, he's won. He's gone to the final with Gujarat Titans. He's the director of cricket. He's he's the head. He's been a head coach at Surrey. Why didn't Rob Key get Vikram Solanke in the coaching staff? You know, what, how, how did he miss that as a trick where... Vikram Solanke knows. He knows how to win in India. He's done it with Gujarat Titans. He knows how, how to, you know, the rhythm. There's a rhythm to cricket in in, in India. You, you have to play with the rhythm. It's not how you play in England. It's a different style of cricket altogether. Where's Vikram Solanke? Why didn't he get... James Foster got signed at New Zealand because New Zealand were clever in the recruitment process. Why why, why is the likes of Richard Dawson or Marcus Jaskothic on the coaching staff but not Vikram Solanke? You know, here's a guy who's won the IPL. He knows inside out. He knows Rashid Khan. He knows these players inside out. He could give the inside info. I just don't understand where was Vikram Solanke and why isn't Vikram Solanke part of this uh, ODI coaching team going forward? You know, I, I just don't understand. I mean, I, I think you are right there. You've hit it nail on the head that England were definitely, or, or seemed from the outside anyway, complacent. I mean, myself and I usually predicted... England to win the whole thing. Michael predicted, I think, at least a semi-final appearance for them. And none of us really even considered that they wouldn't make it. And I wonder if that's maybe had a bit of a factor that from inside the camp as well, they almost just assumed they'd come back together and and they'd just find their 2019 form again. When actually the the backroom staff and without Morgan and um, Trevor Bayliss at the time, they they didn't have that that same ability to just switch it back on 
No, but why, why, why do we have to have an Australian coach? You look at India, they've got an Indian coach. You know, so when they win this World Cup, he's going to now, if they do win it, they probably will win it, right? And where they're playing, it helps Indian coaches and then it helps the next generation of coaches coming through. Now, all these coaches do level three, level four, they invest so much in the money. And and, and if you're an English coach or a county coach, you're going to think, well, oh, by the way, my ceiling is only up to county coach level. I will never be a national coach. Oh, but by the way, we, you know, we think Australian coaches are better than uh, English coaches. You know, um, I, I think we just don't back enough the English coaches at national level, which is really disappointing to see. Could you not sort of look at it almost from a different point where we've had lots and lots of English coaches as um, assistant coaches specifically? And Silverwood, obviously, the most notable, who took the step up to head coach where it just didn't work and it and all went horribly wrong. And, and we had that massive up, well, upset, a massive disappointment in the Ashes series down under. England won one game in 17. Or- well, you look, look at Australia then. OK, Australia got rid of Justin Langer. Okay, by the way, let's let's bring in an English coach. Australia stuck with Andrew McDonald, right? They've got a process in place where Australian coaches keep coming through the system. And why do Australia do well in most of these events? Because it's Australian, you know, it's type of uh, cricket that they play. They understand the players better. In England, we just don't have that process in place where, um, you know, we, we want, you know, English coaches close through the system. One doesn't do well, another doesn't do well. We put a line through English coaches and we think Australian coaches are better. And I just think it's disappointing to see. You know, if we had an English coach as a head coach right now and things didn't go so well, you would think, why hasn't it gone well? Right, it would be a much more, a better learning process for an English coach and English coaches will get better through it. We're just seeing an Australian coach. You know, he'll he'll get better. At at some point, he'll leave the job. He'll go back to Australia and then Australia benefit, not England. You know, that's why you want an England head coach who can then obviously if they learn from their mistakes, go back into the county coach system, go back into county cricket, coaches get better, our game gets much stronger, you know, and that's another thing, you know, I have an issue with that. I want to see more English coaches as a head coach. So would you give or offer Vikram Solanke the the heads head coaching role then or, or a different England coach? Who would you have in mind? Well, like, look, uh, the, thing is, the thing is, that's that's Rob Key's decision, you know, that's Rob Key's decision, but I would like to see you know, an English coach coming through the system, you know, someone like Gareth Batty, for example, you know, he's very successful at Surrey. He's won back-to-back championships. Should be, that should be the next stepping stones for him. You know, he could, or is, is that it for him? You know, he, he'll just become a, uh, he'll have to just keep winning championships. And then after a while, you know, it, when the iron is hot, you're good. But after a while, you, you know, you fade away and you become uh, labelled as, a, oh, he's a good county coach and that's it. So there needs to be that immediate process where Rob Key's got to have an eye on a few of the English coaches to think, right, I'm going to give you know Matt, uh, Matt Moss, um, the, the, sorry, the Australian coach, uh, England head coach, the West Indies series, maybe the India series. If it doesn't go well, I'm going to get an English coach in. You know, look at India, they do so well. Australia doing well. Do you know what I mean? So uh, um, other teams are doing well. So I think, you know, he needs to go back to that process. Even if things don't go well, English cricket still benefits. You know, English coaches learn from, you know, heavy mistakes or all this kind of stuff. The information goes back into the system of English cricket. I just don't like, you know, I just don't like to, I, I just don't like to see, you know, foreign coaches, you know, coaching England.
what what do you make of it Ayush? obviously from sort of an outside point of view living in in india do you think that actually the indian setup having indian coaches has been a, a very helpful factor or or should england maybe just think that it's a bit of an unlucky one trust the process and, and we'll go again next time in a couple of years time Monty, they're absolutely spot on what he said. Uh, with India as well, we've seen the impact of someone like Rahul Dravid. I mean, of course, Rahul Dravid's very different than many other coaches and given his legendary career as a player as well. But we've seen India doing this since the start, I would say, of the Ravi Shastri era, right? He was first director, but he was not really full-time coach, coach. And then he became a full-time coach for quite a few years. Then Rahul Dravid, you even see... And Dravid brought his experience from the youth circuit. It, we, it was very challenging for him at the start as well, where there were talks, I think, in the build-up, maybe last year or somewhere. It, it didn't get, you know, the topic didn't get too hot, but there were talks about Rahul Dravid struggling, maybe India need to let him go and stuff like that. But he, he's, you're now reaping the rewards of sticking by him, of him having created this camaraderie with the rest of the team, with Rohit as his captain and then with the rest of the team. Even in the current Indian team, Paras Mamre is the bowling coach. He's got he's got that setup with him. And it's it's really comfortable the way it's been working. VVS Lakshman in uh, you know, in charge of the NCA. And there's a lot of these Indian players turned coaches or uh Indian coaches, even in the A team that we are seeing. So it's been helping them quite a bit. So I, I completely agree with Monty. It's it's been helping. And this Indian team, this Indian ODI team at least, uh, has looked better than any any ODI team that I have seen in my lifetime play for India. Even 2011, even the ones that played under Dhoni weren't this good, this clinical. So yeah, it's a process that's been working. Yeah, Michael, this this Indian side have been absolutely dominant in this competition so far. Nine wins out of nine matches. Hoping probably, well, they'll obviously hope to go unbeaten and win the whole thing now, um, which will be an unbelievable feat if they manage it. Net run rate is double that of South Africa in second place, just showing how how clinical they've been, really. What, what do you make of it and, and how far do you think India can go? Will they win the whole thing and how impressive would it be? Yeah, it would be pretty insane if they won 11 out of 11 and went on to win it. I mean, they've just been so dominant. The bowlers have been insane. Today against Netherlands, they should, I mean, I know Netherlands, it's not the toughest game, but, you know, Netherlands were playing for the Champions Trophy qualification. You know, they had stakes in that game and um, India didn't have any stakes, but they put 410 on the board. All of their batsmen, I think, got over 50. Shame Virat Kohli couldn't break uh, Tendulkar's record on Diwali, but... I'm sure he'll probably do it in the semis or something. And yeah, it's just so hard to predict against them. I mean, I know you, in the last episode we did, I know you said they'd lose in the finals. Did you, you predicted Australia, didn't you? Are, you? are you sticking with that? I think I will, just because I've been so impressed with how Australia have grown throughout the tournament. India have hit a level right from the get-go and stuck at it and been fantastic. But even today, they showed a little bit of weakness, I thought, when... Um, Siraj got injured and they then immediately obviously Kohli managed to get a wicket as as he always would and, and being King Kohli but they they do show that little bit of weakness I think if they can't quite um, if they're five five frontline bowlers which are the only five bowlers they have can't bowl their whole sets all 10 overs each then possibly that's where another team could get over the line imagine Jasper Bumrah pulls a hamstring first ball of the game in a World Cup final or World Cup semi-final that means you're going to have to find 10 overs from Virat Kohli 
uh, Rohit Sharma, Gill, maybe whoever it might be. And I just think that could could really affect them. And that doesn't even have to happen. But if one of the bowlers has just a really bad day, they've still got to bowl all ten, no matter what. Maybe you could get away with them bowling eight, and Coley bowls a dodgy two somewhere. But I just think they have that ability to collapse, and they could collapse spectacularly if it goes if it goes wrong. Um, what would you make of that, Monty? Do you think India will go on to win and and stay unbeaten throughout, or have they got that capacity to just capitulate? Well, I think there's other teams out there who would like them to see collapse, you know, during the semi-finals, and uh, you know, not go out there and win because uh, um, you know because how dominant they've been, how ruthless they've been. There's teams out there who who, who envy envy their success, and uh, they would like to see them sort of choke, you know, during the semi-finals. But uh, I think uh, you know th- this India team is very strong. You know, their batting is superbly strong. Their bowling is picking in all departments. In, in fact, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, you never see a fast bowling unit like this. This is right up there with the the 80s, you know, with, with, with the West Indies and how strong they've been, or Australia back in 2003 and 2007, that dominant display that they've shown. You never thought India would be this dominant. Back in 1983, you know, they were like um, equivalent to maybe, you know, uh, Afghanistan or Sri Lanka, uh, and they end up, you know, winning the World Cup. And uh, there were some, you know, unbelievable sort of innings that happened there. Uh, back in 2011, obviously, it was Tanduka And they had a Madoni. They had a team with a lot of experience. And it was just to deal with the pressure and the expectation. And then they managed to deal with that really well. But this time around, they've been absolutely dominant. They've been dominant. They've been ruthless. They've been resilient. They've uh, sensed an opportunity and they've just destroyed teams. And especially during the power play. You know, in the power play, whenever they're bowling, they've they've been the best team so far by a long shot. And uh, and Rohit Sharma's strike rate in the power play is about 130, 35 at the moment. So they rely on him to, you know, give them a good start. So this India team, no one expected them to be this dominant and this ruthless. But you look at English football, you know, you have a, a really good process where Gareth Southgate was the coach. And then they won the under-17s, the under-19s, the under twenty one. And then every World Cup or the Euros, England are probably playing, you know, the best they've done in, you know, World Cup tournaments. Why doesn't England, English cricket, follow the same principle? You know, it's been absolutely embarrassing and disappointment. Being an English fan like myself, you know, it's been very disappointing. You know, I'm very, very disappointed about it, uh, the way they've performed. And it's to do with the longer term recruitment process. You know, I'll be honest with you, they need to sort of like, you know, have a a much more better um uh, a process of like like the India way, you know, Rahul Dravid did the under-19s, India A, then he went on to, you know, do the national side, you know, 2011, in that in England team poured, uh, that England played in this uh, World Cup in India. And out of that, Jonathan Trott is the coach of Afghanistan, and look where Jonathan Trott's taken Afghanistan. It doesn't surprise me at all, because he's played in 2011. He knows the conditions. We know when you play and you know the conditions, you know how to win, you know how to, you know, uh, come out of disappointment and everything. And then Jonathan Trott, you know, when they were chasing, Afghanistan were chasing, they were chasing how Jonathan Trott would chase an innings. He brought that systematic approach to chasing. And you can see that, you know, when I think they were chasing 242, did it in that way. Like, I just, I just think we have this myth, you know, we just think all oh, foreign coaches need to be the head coaches because that's the way it works. I, I, I just think we need, I, I think when things don't go well, then it doesn't help 
the English coaches. It just, it, you know, where, 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 where do we go from now? You know, if, 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 this, this, if the West Indies tour doesn't go well, for example, or India's going to be a difficult place to tour, who's next in line? You know, where's, where's like, you know, the next coaches in line? Do you know what I mean? So I hope it's English coaches, you know, because I, I think it just benefits the system a lot better. India have been unbelievable so far. Virat Kohli's topping the run rate with Rohit Sharma and Shreyas Iyer not far behind. Uh, Mohamed Shami, who missed the first three or four matches of the tournament, is absolutely running away in the wickets table, trying to catch up Zampa um, with Bumrah, Jadeja and pretty much the rest of the Indian cohort not far away as well. If everything goes right for India, they will almost certainly win this now. They're, they have been so brilliant. But how much do you think one small issue in the semi-final or final might affect them as a team? And, and do they have that um, capability to stay calm and collected and do it on a big stage, which they haven't really proven over the last decade? Well, when most teams do well, or World Cup winning teams do well, the, the experience in the squad is, I think, over 70 or 75 caps. So there's a lot of players in this side, in the Indian team, that have over 75 you know, uh, ODIs. Captain dictates everything. Um, you look at Ricky Ponting, you know, he had an amazing, you know, win record. Uh, MS Dhoni, I think, uh, you know, just about 50%. But right, Sharma, 74% after 101 days, the best ever in ODI cricket. So when he's leading the pack and, uh, you know, he's calm, he's collective, he, he's, his temperament is very good, uh, he's a smart operator, he knows his bowlers, who, who his match-winning bowlers are, uh, he knows his defensive bowlers. Um, uh, you know, he's a very impressive captain, very calm captain. So when you've got a captain like that, I think India are, are, are firm fav- favourites by a long way. You know, I think I, th- I think it's for them to lose the World Cup. I think I think um, you know uh, it will be surprised and shocking to see if they lose the semi final. But I, I I just think you know with, with also you know the home crowd. You know, home crowd in India is is something else. When they played India Pakistan uh, at Ahmedabad. Um, uh, the crowd just was so supportive of India. It feels like, you know, they're just so right behind them. And that pressure is very difficult to deal with, you know, most teams. So um, India, what they're doing right now is perfect. If they keep doing what they're doing, yeah, I think, um, you know, they'll win the World Cup. What do you think of it, Ulayush? Will Will they manage it? I think they will. If you'd have asked me a few weeks ago, I would have said uh, they could lose the calm, lose their calm in in a tough situation or maybe the first time they face a tough situation. But like Monty mentioned again, perfect. Uh, Rohit Sharma, the way he's leading the team has been so good to see. We all thought that he was a little bit a little bit off his best game in the build-up to the World Cup, but right when it matters most, as a batter, as a leader, he's really, he's really done very, very well so far. You even see the kind of vibe there is in the team. I'm not sure if you guys have been seeing those videos on social media of, uh, you know, the Indian team having this, after each match, they're having this kind of a celebration where the fielding coach has been giving out medals uh, to, to, you know, to the best fielder or someone who takes the best catch on the day and things like that. And there's just, you can see how there's a great camaraderie in there. You can see that they know, they know what they have to do. They know that if they face you know, some really tough situations or which they will, I'm pretty sure they will in either the semi-final or the final because none of the other three teams are to be taken lightly. New Zealand in the semi-final and then either South Africa or Australia in the final. But I have a feeling that this team, even when they will be put really under serious pressure, they will they will reply and they will 
you know, kind of once again show the same qualities that have helped them dominate this World Cup so far. Michael, South Africa and Australia, as I just mentioned, have, have both been really good in quite different ways so far this World Cup. Australia have started really poorly, but managed to claw it back. And that victory over Afghanistan just a few days ago kind of almost sums up that they are just a team who's able to draw victory from absolutely anywhere. South Africa, on the other hand, have looked to be really dominant and aggressive with the bat in the first innings and have looked a bit weaker chasing. How do you think their semi-final might go out and, and how impressed have you been with both of the sides? Yeah, it'll be a good game. Both sides have been really good. Australia started off really quite poor. I think everyone kind of, a lot of people kind of wrote them off. I, de- I think I did, definitely, um, after the first two games, which was harsh looking back because they played, you know, South Africa and India to like, the two best teams in the tournament. But yeah, with players like David Warner, Mitchell Marsh, so Mitchell Marsh, 177, Glenn Maxwell, 200 the other day. You know, they've got these players that can just take a game away from the opposition. So, yeah, I think it'll be really good. I think if South Africa win the toss and open the batting and then Australia have to chase like a big total, I think it'd be an amazing game. And we might see some more heroics from someone like Maxwell. So I think that's definitely going to be the pick of the semifinals. I think India will beat New Zealand quite comfortably in the other game. But South Africa, Australia will be... Yeah, really good one. What about you, Monty? Who do you think will be winning those two semi-finals, and and how good could those matches be? Yeah, well, I think in, in India will probably you know beat New Zealand because their bowling's been you know I think it's been a huge bonus. Mohammed Shami since he's come back, he's just been absolutely brilliant. And I think uh, other teams like you know like Australia, who've you know they, they've just scored heavily, or even you know uh, South Africa when they bat first, they do they score really well, but they just none of the teams have gone past 300 against uh, India. Uh, it's the India bowling lineup versus, it doesn't matter if they have Australia or South Africa, you know, in the final. I think it's uh, how do the South African or Australian batting lineup hope against, um, you know, the X factor of Kuldip Yadif, you know, um, a left-arm Chinaman. How often are you going to practice against, you know, a left-arm Chinaman? It's very difficult to find them. And they've obviously you know, put him in the team because other teams will find him very difficult to pick and, and everything. So um, I, I, I just think that uh, the final will probably be India bowlers versus South African or Australia batters. You know, um, all the teams have struggled against the Indian bowlers. You know, it could be that day. You know, you just never know. You know, um, cricket's a funny game. It, it could just be a bad day in the office and suddenly... One of whichever teams in the final against India to take down the bowlers, but uh, I'll, I'll be surprised if anyone could take down in, Indian bowling. New Zealand always sort of come alive in in the big moments in the World Cups. Are you sort of ruling them out now from being able to beat India? And and what do you think their biggest strengths throughout the tournament have been? And would, will they be able to counter India? Matt Henry, I thought that was their strength. You know, Matt Henry was their strength. Um, Lockie Ferguson, you know. Uh, well, when they started off, you kind of thought, I see New Zealand winning the World Cup, you know, with their with their attack that they have with Matt Henry and Lockie Ferguson, but they're both injured now. So the bowling attack's a lot weaker. Um, so because of that, I think with the team that they've had, they probably, yeah, they've done well to get to the semifinals. Um, and um, if there was Lockie Ferguson or Matt Henry, you know, playing, then I'll probably, it would have been very difficult for India, but I, I just can't see New, Ze- New Zealand going past India in the same finals. 
what about you then, Aish? Who are you predicting and, and which of the matchups do you think could be the most interesting? Yeah. Uh, again, India definitely to break that New Zealand knockout jinx uh, in the semi-final. I think this time they'll get the job done. That that the, those ghosts of the past won't, you know, won't really affect them this time. Uh, yeah, but it could be interesting, you know, with no Hardik Pandya as well. You saw them. You you see that 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 is weighing a little bit on them. It is at the back of Rohit Sharma's head because. He tried so many of these guys before, just before the semi-final today. Shubman Gill rolled his arm over. Virat Kohli bowled. Surya Kumar Yadav bowled a couple. Rohit himself bowled and got a wicket in, in those four or five deliveries that he bowled to finish off the match. So that is there. But again, like I said, I think they these guys are just too confident right now. India will get over New Zealand at Wankhede, especially with, with that Wankhede crowd supporting them. And I think Australia again, will will break a lot of South African hearts in the semi-finals. Uh, I'd like to see South Africa, you know, kind of break that, the Australia jinx that they have in the semis, but I think Australia will get the job done. Everyone's clicking right now. Mitchell Marsh is 177 yesterday. Glenn Maxwell with bat, with ball, he's just been fantastic all World Cup. And yeah, I think... Uh, Adam Zampa, Glenn Maxwell, even in the bowling, these guys will be really, I think they'll just be better than Keshav Maharaj, Tabresh Shamshi on that Eden Gardens wicket. And uh, the Pacers will also come into play over there. Yeah, let's let's not discount them. And yeah, I think Pat Cummins and Co. will also step up when it matters most because it's Australia at the end of the day. They know exact, they know better than anyone else how to play these situations. No, I think that will definitely, definitely help. I mean, you mentioned it there, Aish, but it does seem like Rohit Sharm was slightly conscious of not having that all-rounder in the side. How much of a factor do you think that'll, that could play in, in the future and might play on Rohit Sharma's mind as a captain trying to figure out how he can find overs? It definitely is playing on him. Uh, it Because, I mean, Hardik Pandya just gives you that... It's just six bowlers that you have and Hardik Pandya is there... Uh, if one of the others is having a really bad day, you have, you know, that extra sixth bowl. And that, that's the entire point of having, uh, of not having just five guys who can bowl. And Hardik Pandya is, you know, he's better than many frontline bowlers of many other teams, to be honest. So, yeah, it's, it is a problem not having him there, especially with his batting as well. You Batting, you can argue that yeah, you have Sudhir Kumar Yadav at six, but Hardik Pandya is a better finisher. And Hardik Pandya knows how to win the biggest of games. He's done it in done it in the IPL as well, even for India in the past and knockout matches. Even last year, you see the T20 World Cup semi-final where England absolutely ran ran through with that game, winning by 10 wickets. But Hardik Pandya's batting was so good in that game. It was the reason India got to that, what is it, 170-ish that they got to in that semi-final against England at the T20 World Cup last year. So I think, yeah, it it is it is a bit of a disadvantage uh, not having someone like him. And I think if we see, do see a collapse in either the semi or the final, uh, or if we see the Indian bowlers, you know, smashed all around the park, I think the absence of Hardik Pandya would be the biggest factor there. More than having that all-rounder, it's even having an all-rounder like Hardik Pandya uh, which could be a big factor, but 
Yeah, it'll be, it'll be, I think it's tough to see India losing it from here. There's always a possibility, isn't there? One one big talking point throughout most of this World Cup has been that, well, for, for at least the, the early part of the group stage was the fact that a lot of the games didn't seem to be close at all. One team would just get on top early and, and run away with it fairly consistently. It got slightly better towards the back end. But we also saw a lot of upsets throughout Monty. How impressed have you been with Afghanistan and the Netherlands? who have both managed to win probably double, if not triple, the number of matches that they were expected to before the World Cup started. Yeah, it's been uh, hugely impressive. You know, like uh, the, the, the smaller nations to do really well, they just encourage us to maybe uh, in the next, you know, the next World Cup, um, to make it bigger if you can. You know, I, I, I think this one group stage is good, but it just means there's less teams. But if you sort of, Separate it and have the like the super eights, and then uh, you know do it that way, where you have four different groups. Then you know you're allowed to have more teams playing as well. So that format may you know the may change just to allow more teams uh, in, in the World Cup. Um, but it's been brilliant. You know it's been hugely impressive uh, to see uh, how um, uh, you know Netherlands done really really well, and I would expect them to do so well. Um, Afghanistan. Um, you kind of like felt that they didn't really have a really good uh, a team or, or a side that they could, um, you know, put, put together. But then uh, if you have a good coach, like like Jonathan Trott has proven to be uh, Rashid Khan, who's got experience uh, in, uh, in in the IPL, you can just see, look, uh, how they performed. They've done really, really well. Um, so it's been uh, hugely impressive. And there's been some tight games. It was tight games. Um, between uh, Australia and New Zealand, you know that, that was a very tight, close, close finish there. Very uh, fantastic chase. We've seen more record-breaking. You know, Maxwell, South Africa, Pakistan was another brilliant game. So yeah, as the tournament went on, we saw the games to get a lot more close, a lot more entertaining. At the start, it was a little bit concerning uh, to see an empty stadium, you know, uh, between England and New Zealand. But um, I think uh, throughout the these four, 45 games, we've seen over a million spectators, you know, turn up to the game. So I think, yeah, they've done a really good job. Whenever the World Cups are in England, there always seems to be a, be a bit of World Cup fever. Everyone, even if they're not big cricket fans, seems to absolutely love the World Cup when it's over here. Have you felt that being over in India yourself, Monty? Have, have you felt that throughout the tournament, the the anticipation and excitement has grown? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's just through the roof. It's been unbelievable. And uh, as, as India... Kept on getting just performing better and better and better. Um, you, you know, people in India have absolutely loved it. The fans just love it so much. They're very passionate about India winning, but they're also very knowledgeable, you know, about other teams and and uh, probably the most knowledgeable, you know, crowd that that we see in in, in world cricket in terms of um, the technical technical knowledge that they have. The local person at the restaurants or the taxi driver. They all kind of know so much about cricket. They all have it on their apps, uh, on, on on digital. Um, they watch it here. So yeah, it's been very popular, hugely impressive, and um, they've really, really enjoyed the way uh, India have been performing. I mean, rightfully so. They've been unbelievable to watch, and I'm sure all the fans have absolutely loved it. Um, Michael, before the tournament, when we did our preview of the World Cup, we all picked out that Afghanistan and the Netherlands struggles could be with their batting, and they've they've actually managed to stand up a lot of their batters. Um, particularly Afghanistan middle order has performed a lot better than we kind of expected. How impressed have you been by by that side? And and actually, they haven't needed just to skittle teams for a hundred to try and win matches. Afghanistan have definitely been the story of the tournament. I think everyone was quite amazed by what Glenn Maxwell did. Um, 
against them, but at the same time, a bit a little bit disappointed because it meant Afghanistan couldn't qualify for the semi-finals. And yeah, they've been really good. I mean, you know, they've had some really useful innings in there, and yeah, definitely been the story of the tournament. I mean, it's a shame with Netherlands Bastelade, it hasn't quite come through with the promise they did early in the tournament, which uh, started the Bastelade fan club. I jinxed him, I think. Yeah, they've definitely been really good, like competitive and not the pushovers that other people, that most fans thought they would be. Ayush, the, the Netherlands definitely over-extended um, above what we all thought that they might have um, before before the tournament. Do you think that this could be the start of a, a new beginning for them, being able to to play more ODI cricket and and actually sort of challenge throughout the next sort of cycle of, of, World, of the World Cup? I really don't know whether it will. It really should, is what I'll say, because we've spoken about this before as well. You know, it'll be so good for these teams to play a lot more uh, against some of the top teams than they do right now. See in Afghanistan, they came so close to, you know, potential semi-final qualification. And they would have been completely in it had, you know, that had Glenn Maxwell not been there that day doing what he did. And Netherlands as well. They did get battered in quite a few matches. But again, it's, you can't really blame them for that. They, they've definitely been better. Even though they finished right at the bottom, they've definitely been better than what many people would have expected. And not just for Netherlands, but for other teams as well, other associate teams as well going forward, or some of the smaller nations, I would say, which you don't expect to do so well, this should motivate a lot of them. And with, we're seeing a 20-team T20 World Cup next year, we're seeing at least a 14-team ODI World Cup going forward, it should motivate a lot of the other teams to come and, you know, to be like, okay, we can do this too, or maybe we can do something even better. Not only just in cricket, but in all sports, it seems like tier two nations and associate nations always just need to play more cricket against those top, top nations. Monty, do you think that actually England should be trying to keep playing against Scotland, Ireland, Netherlands, maybe try and get a sort of four-team European tournament every summer, even if it's not the 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 ultimate England eleven who are playing, but a Lions side or or a sort of mixture of young players and and the, the best players? How how do you think England could maybe help the Netherlands and and the other smaller European nations get better and keep improving? I think that they, some people kind of feel that there's a sense of, you know, obligation that England must help, you know, the smaller nations. I think England need to sort themselves out first. They're probably, their best team is, uh, you know, competing against these smaller nations. And, that, you know, that's an embarrassment. You don't want England, you know, to be in these kind of people to describe them in this way. You want England to be up there with the Australians, you know, uh, talking about, we should be talking about how England is supposed to be in the semi-finals or just may have out the semi-finals. But going forward, once England get the house in order and if they are, you know, get to a place where they have been, um, then you'll probably agree with you. You know, maybe a Lions team is better, uh, you know, rather than the full team because that would weaken the skills. You know, you, you want, you want like, Alliance team, you know, playing against the Netherlands, Scotland, and all of that, and then the the bit the, 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 the England top, you know, the first eleven, they obviously you know play against the other nations, so that that could happen, potentially happen. Um, but but the trouble with these smaller nations is like, look at Netherlands, you know, their their funding's three million a year, where some of the IPL teams, their wage bill is twelve million, so 
it's it's a complete disparity you know so i think uh, that funding is, is is an issue you know yeah teams are going to do well you always have the history in, in icc tournaments ireland did it against england in 2011 and uh, you know bangladesh did it to india in 2007 in the west indies so you always had that history the smaller nations do win against the bigger ones you know it just it does happen but after that what is the next steps to sustain and improve their cricket that's where the icc need to have a a structure in place where they say look your funding's 3 million can we increase it to maybe three, four or five you know help you with a domestic structure or you know the icc say look any team that comes from europe england have to they're obliged to help them you know they've got to bring them into their domestic competition they're going to have a lions tour or something like that so they continually get good cricket you know um then that's the way you know they'll they'll improve personally i'd i'd love to see the netherlands scotland and ireland take part in domestic cricket within england i think it would be hugely beneficial to those nations in cricket and it wouldn't even be that unfeasible i mean you might have to fly to the netherlands to to play matches or they could be based in england somewhere but i think it could be very very interesting and and actually allowing a lot of these dutch players and the associate nation players who don't get much cricket all year round. I mean, the Dutch batter Nidamanuru works in IT in the Netherlands. And so many of those Dutch players are just sort of semi-pro almost, it feels like. And actually having any sort of consistent cricket throughout summer, playing at a good level, would really help them. I mean, you can see when Colin Ackerman and Baz Dalid come back and play for the for the Dutch side, um, they look already so much stronger than than when they have these sort of semi-pros trying to get them through the qualification periods. Um, so it would be really interesting to see maybe how it goes throughout. I mean, in in, uh, in Asia, sorry, there's, there's a lot of help already, Ayush, with the Asia Cup that happens every few years, which really does seem to help promote the smaller nations. I mean, Afghanistan gained a lot from playing in that over the years and other nations throughout qualification. I mean, Nepal will be hoping to, to target a, f- a few matches um, in competitions like that. Do you think that, that that's a huge benefit for, for the Asian sides? Just on this topic, I was, I was talking to, uh, I, I spoke to the current head coach of the Canadian team for, uh, you know, for a piece that I did for the Sports Gazette. Uh, I spoke to Pabudu Dasanayake, where he 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 brought up something, he brought up something very similar and he said that you know, with England helping teams like the Netherlands, Scotland, and the others, the Asian Cricket Council, where uh, these are some the smaller teams in India play the Asia Cup, and every two years now or every year, depending on what the schedule is, with playing these big teams consistently, they're even playing bilateral uh, series against them every now and then. He that's what he told me that he would like to see uh, someone like the West Indies do something similar for teams like the USA, Canada, given the West, Ind- the West Indies are the leaders of that region. Just like Monty said with England, the West Indies first need to sort themselves out right now, given what's going on with them. But that's what he said. He said he'd really like his players to play in the Super 50 Cup, which is the domestic uh, ODI tournament in the Caribbean. So it does. I mean, if, if, if the players from these, the smaller teams within that same region where a bigger team is, get to play in the domestic tournaments of, you know, of those teams, even if you're not playing continuous bilateral series uh, with them or against them, even them giving them the kind of exposure in these tournaments is going to be so big for them. And when they do come and play these World Cups or major events, they're going to be just that be- more confident and better equipped. 
No, definitely. I mean, I think there's there's a lot more conversation that needs to be had and throughout the next few months and the rest of this year, we'll definitely be talking a lot more about that on the One Short podcast. But I think we can all agree that it's been an amazing group stage so far. India looking favourites to win it at the moment. But I think that's all we have time for. We've got to thank you, Monty, for coming on. It's been great having you and hearing your insights. Um, some really inter- interesting stuff. Thank you, mate. Thank you, guys. And um, really enjoyed being on the podcast. Yeah, and thank you as well, Michael and Aish, for, for joining me. Another another great episode. And we'll be back in just a few days after the semi-finals to discuss those two huge matches and looking forward to what will hopefully be a fantastic World Cup final. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you head over to the Sports Gazette website uh, where there'll be articles released every day, basically, about all sports. Um, we'll be having our usual cricket weekly roundup for the World Cup that'll be out over the next few days as well. And of course, looking forward to the final We'll be back in just a few days, so make sure you join us for that. See you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.